Well, good morning, Calvary, wherever you might be worshiping from, whether you're in the chapel in Golden Valley or you're at our Minnetonka campus or maybe you're somewhere else in the world. We're so glad that you have joined us for worship today. And you might notice things look a little bit different. We have some exciting things happening in the worship center in Golden Valley. So we're in a little different setting, but we're still excited to be together in worship today. And, you know, we take a moment to pause in our worship experience experiences, which gives us the opportunity to live out our faith and to show our trust in God. And we do that, one of the ways we do that is in the giving of our tithes and offerings. We remember everything we have belongs to God, and it's entrusted to our care. And he asks us as a sign of our faith and trust to invest into his kingdom, to give our best portion to him. And so if you brought a gift that you'd like to invest into the kingdom and be a part of God's mission today, it's super easy to do so. If you're worshiping in one of our worship spaces, you can drop it off in one of the offering boxes after the service, or you can always give online at calvary.org slash give. And we're so thankful for your partnership in the gospel So we're in the second week of a series called Summer Fruit, where we're taking a look at the fruits of the Spirit. These are things that Paul lists in the book of Galatians chapter 5 in verses 22 and 23. And this is what he says, but the Holy Spirit produces this kind of fruit in our lives, love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, and self-control. You know, these fruits that Paul lists should really be in the lives of every follower of Jesus. These are things that should be visible to the world. Other people should see these things in our lives. Now, these fruits are really the evidence that our faith is real and authentic. Jesus went so far as to say that people will know his followers by the kind of fruit that they bear in their lives. Now, the great thing is we see that Paul says these are produced in our lives, that really Jesus is the one who will produce and grow these fruits within us. It's not just up to us to try to buckle down and try harder. No, it's it's something that, that God does within us through the power of the Holy Spirit. And so last week, if you were able to join us, we looked at the very first fruit of the Spirit, which is agape love. Agape love is a completely selfless love that that gives itself away for the sake of others. Now, Jesus one time said that, that he was giving us a new commandment, which is to love one another as he has loved us, that all of the Old Testament commandments, all of the other things that people were required to do could actually be summed up in this one thing, love one another. But then Jesus says the stakes are really, really high because people will know that we are his followers by how well we follow this commandment. You see, if we love other people, then that's how the the world will know that we are his followers. And so one of the most important questions that we can ask ourselves on a daily basis is, what does love require of me? 
in any relationship, in any interaction, anytime that we're, we're tempted to go off on someone, we need to be going back to that basic question, what does love require of me in this situation? And all of the other fruits of the Spirit that we'll be looking at naturally flow from this kind of love towards others. So today, we're going to talk about the second fruit that Paul brings up in Galatians, and that is joy. You know, I think everybody today wants to be happy, right? It's kind of a quest that people are on. How can I be happy? How can I find happiness? In fact, we want happiness to be constant in our lives. And there's messaging all around us in advertisements and in the media that says, you know, if you just find the right thing, if you just make the right purchase, if you buy this product, if you copy these influencers or these celebrities, if you adopt these priorities, or if you consume this thing, then somehow you'll finally attain that happiness that you so desperately want. Now, any of you who have kids or have had kids know the power of the happy meal. Like, I remember sometimes my kids would be having a down day, but if they had a happy meal coming, then everything was right with the world. Well, on social media today, I saw a friend of mine say that her young daughter ordered a happy meal and she got home, she opened it up and found out there were no chicken nuggets in the happy meal. And this, this little daughter turned to her mom and said, mom, this is an unhappy meal. Oh, pretty true, right? Well, I think as adults, we're probably not as inclined to go order a happy meal, but we still are focused on happy meals. They're just a lot more expensive and complicated than when we were young. And you know, even if we're not feeling happy, then we have this pressure to fake it. If you're on social media, you just see picture after picture of people smiling and, and enjoying things, and it makes us feel left out, and it makes us feel stressed out and anxious, like we need to be in that same state of mind. And this whole quest for happiness just feels like pressure and stress on our lives. But you know, it's important to note that there's a big difference between happiness and joy. Happiness is an emotional state of mind and it's connected to external circumstances. But God produces joy within us. And that joy can even be present despite challenging and painful circumstances. You know, when we try to pursue happiness at any cost, at any level, well, it's kind of a vicious cycle and it leads to unhappiness because we never can quite attain what we're looking for because our circumstances and our emotions don't stay static. But joy, on the other hand, is something that we can experience each and every day. So we might ask, well, then where does joy come from? And, you know, psychologists and neuroscience scientists have studied this in depth. They've mapped out the pleasure centers in our brain. They found what they call joy genes in our DNA. They've identified different chemicals in our bodies that produce pleasure reflexes. 
I even read about a study where one time they tickled rats because they wanted to understand better the physiology of laughter, which I had to think like, how does a rat even laugh? What does that sound like? It's so bizarre. But even after all of these different studies have been done and experiments have been conducted and papers have been written, it's still generally a mystery where joy comes from. What scientists do know is where joy doesn't come from. Numerous studies have shown that joy is not connected to circumstances. That means money, Success, our demographics, even our physical health have no significant correlation to our joy. But what has been discovered is that experiences of joy almost always involve connection and relationship. Here's how the psychologists at UCLA put it. They said, joy springs from connection and communion between the joyous and another person, object, or idea. Those are their words, a secular institution, communion and connection. In in other words, joy is not something we produce. It's something we receive. I love how they say it springs from us. You know, think about your most joy-filled moments in your life. There was probably connection, relationship, and communion with others. You know, maybe it was a celebration. Maybe it was the birth of a child. Maybe it was your wedding day. Maybe it was a party or another gathering with friends. Joy comes. It springs forth because of our connection and our communion with others. So you might say, well, then what does this have to do with the fruits of the Spirit? Well, first of all, joy comes from a connection. And primarily, that connection is a connection with God. Each one of us is invited into a relationship with Him. Now, remember, joy doesn't just happen out of nowhere, it flows from a source. And that source of pure joy is God Himself. When we stay connected to the vine who is Christ, his spirit flows in and through us and it produces the fruit that we're talking about. Love, joy, peace, and the list goes on. Now, because joy flows from outside of ourself, it means that we can have joy despite our circumstances. Joy is not just a feeling. I want you to remember that. It's not just a feeling that we somehow conjure up. No, it's so much better than that. This joy that we're talking about is a confidence. It's a peace. It's an assurance that can only come from God. So as we remain connected to him, I want to talk about three ways we can experience his true joy. And so the first one is perspective. You know, one of the biggest difference between someone filled with despair and someone filled with joy is their perspective. The way we look at our life and all that's going on within it has a lot to do with whether we experience joy. 
I heard a story one time about Coach McKay, who was at USC back in the 60s. He coached the football team, and one day in, in 1966, they were humiliated by Notre Dame, 51 to 0. So McKay came into the locker room and he saw a group of beaten down and thoroughly depressed young football players. They were not accustomed to losing at all. They were a really good team. So McKay got up on a bench in the locker room and he looked at them all in the eye and he said, men, we need to keep this in perspective. There are over 800 million people in China who have no idea this game was ever played perspective. You know, the Apostle Paul had this amazing ability to be overflowing with joy, even despite some of the most challenging of circumstances. He was shipwrecked. He was imprisoned numerous times. He was beaten. He was even put on death row. And yet, because of his perspective, he remained filled with joy. In 2 Corinthians 4, starting with verse 17, this is what he says. For our present troubles are small, and they won't last very long, yet they produce for us a glory that vastly outweighs them and will last forever. So we don't look at the troubles we can see now, rather we fix our gaze on things that cannot be seen. For the things we see now will soon be gone. But the things we cannot see will last forever. So throughout his letters, Paul is all the time talking about hardships, but then he responds to the hardships with joy. Because in the scheme of eternity, all that we face and all that we struggle with is nothing. Now, this is not to minimize pain and suffering on earth. But instead, it's to remind us we have a bigger source of comfort and hope as we go through those difficult seasons. Now, a second thing so that we can experience true joy is to remember purpose. In Romans 5, Paul says, we can rejoice too when we run into problems and trials, for we know that they help us develop endurance. And endurance develops strength of character, and character strengthens our confident hope of salvation. And this hope will not lead to disappointment, for we know how dearly God loves us, because he has given us the Holy Spirit to fill our hearts with his love. Joy is not the absence of sadness or sorrow. But that's often what we think. You know, I think it's an amazing witness when you meet someone who radiates God's joy even amidst the toughest parts of life. You know, I've traveled in quite a few third world countries, and I've met people living in abject poverty who have some of the most joy that I've ever seen. People who barely have enough to eat. And yet they just radiate an amazing joy. Perhaps you've met someone who even as they grieve the loss of a spouse or another loved one, they still are able to radiate joy because of the hope they have in Jesus. You know, this kind of joy, the kind of joy that Paul is talking about in this passage from Romans 
comes from knowing purpose. From being able to see a greater purpose to our suffering, to be able to see and trust that there's a greater outcome in the future, even despite the struggle. You know, maybe you're in a season right now where your life is full of more struggle and more pain and more friction than usual. As you go through those seasons of life, maybe a question to ask is, how might God use what you're facing now to grow you and to grow your impact? Because God doesn't waste our pain and he doesn't waste our struggles. He wants to use them to grow us so that we can make a difference in the lives of others. The New Testament book of Hebrews says, fixing our eyes on Jesus, the pioneer and the perfecter of faith. For the joy set before him, he endured the cross, scorning its shame, and sat down at the right hand of the throne of God. Now, stop and think for a moment how crazy that verse sounds. It says, for the joy set before him, He did what? He endured the cross. Because of the joy Jesus had in his ultimate purpose, which was to save sinners like you and me, he freely and willingly endured the cross. All of its shame, all of its pain. And so for the joy that's been set before us, that's been promised to us, Well, we too can endure the struggles and trials of life, knowing that God is with us every step of the way, and he's working all things for our good. Well, then thirdly, we need to remember God's presence, because joy flows from connection and relationship, and so we need to remain connected to God, who is the ultimate source of joy. Paul puts it this way in Romans 5. He says, so now we can rejoice in our wonderful new relationship with God because our Lord Jesus Christ has made us friends with God. You know, on our own, we have no ability to stand before our holy God. The reality of every one of us is that we are sinful and disobedient and sin separates us from God. We're not welcome in his presence, but Jesus came to bridge the chasm. He came to pay the penalty for your sin and mine so that we are welcome in his presence. Because of Jesus's death and resurrection, we're not only forgiven, we're not only welcome in God's presence, we are called friends of God. Think back for a moment to when you were a kid And can you think of some of those close friendships where you could be in their house and you could just go grab something out of the fridge? You know, you were that close. You were welcomed into their home. You know, being present with friends brings comfort and it for sure brings joy. And so God welcomes us as his friends into his presence, and it makes all the difference. Now, the thing is, the presence of God can be experienced. It's not just some intangible thing. Maybe we need to spend some more time this week in prayer or in God's word and tangibly experience 
his presence with us. You know, really, to be friends with anyone takes time, takes quality time. And so why don't you spend some time this week in the presence of your friend who is our God? Now, David in the Old Testament, he certainly had ups and downs in his life. He had to fight a lot of wars. He made some pretty bad decisions along the way. But in Psalm 16, this is what he says. He says, I know the Lord is always with me. I will not be shaken for he is right beside me. No wonder my heart is glad and I rejoice. My body rests in safety for you will not leave my soul among the dead or allow your Holy One to rot in the grave. You will show me the way of life, granting me the joy of your presence and the pleasures of living with you forever. Again, it's a reminder that the presence of God makes all the difference. It brings the comfort and the peace that we so desperately need. And he is the source of the joy that we seek. You know, the joy of the Lord is such a powerful, powerful thing. The joy of the Lord gives us purpose in our pain. Nehemiah says the joy of the Lord is our strength. When we need strength, we can find it in him. The joy of the Lord sets us apart. It should be visible to the people around us. It's the kind of joy that can't be faked. It's not counterfeit. It's not manufactured. It's a joy that's simply reflected despite all of our circumstances. And so God, through the Holy Spirit, produces this fruit of joy in our lives. But I think we can also lean in and we can learn to practice things that bring this kind of joy into our lives in three key ways. Number one, gratitude. You know, one of the biggest joy killers is discontentment. It's wanting more than we have. It's wanting what someone else has and we don't. And so gratitude is one of the most important things to keep us from going down that road. First Thessalonians 5.18 says, be thankful in all circumstances, for this is God's will for you who belong to Christ Jesus. Now, we hear this all the time, right? We need to be grateful and thankful, but do we actually consistently practice it? Notice Paul says here, in all circumstances, are we grateful even when we don't feel like it? You know, really, there's so much power when we live in gratitude no matter what's going on, when we live in gratitude for who God is and what he's done. Well, number two is giving. Jesus himself said, it is more blessed. Blessed means it brings greater joy to give than to receive. Now, again, this isn't something new. You've heard it before. But again, oftentimes we forget to practice it. You know, when we need or want a shot of joy in our life, one of the very best things we can do is to give to others. Now, of course, this can be our finances, but it can also be our time and our energy and our abilities. You know, another big joy killer is greed. When we hang on to things too tightly, when we start to think we need more and more, it means we hold on to what we have tighter and tighter. But you know what? When we open up our hands 
and we give freely for the sake of others, then we find amazing joy because that is how God wired us up to be generous, just like he is generous. Well, then number three is to focus on the good news. Psalm 32 says, Oh, what joy for those whose disobedience is forgiven, whose sin is put out of sight. Yes, what joy for those whose record the Lord has cleared of guilt. When we're reminded of what God has done for us in Jesus, it should bring us joy. God solved our biggest problem, which is our problem of sin. And we no longer have to live with guilt and shame and regret or fear. You were made for him. And without him, life will never be enough. There's no greater joy than connecting with Jesus. And you can experience that kind of joy today. Well, you know, there is so much pain and uncertainty in our world and in our lives. You know, and maybe today with all that's going on, maybe it just feels overwhelming. Maybe it's even hard to imagine how you could experience joy with all that's happening. And so I want to share this story that I found a few years ago. And it goes like this. A couple of hundred years ago, a ship carrying a bunch of people left England and they were bound for the new world to start a new life. These people had great plans, but the, the ship entered a huge storm. It had hurricane force winds and huge, huge waves. And so everyone had to go down into the hold of the ship. And they were trembling and afraid and scared and sick and throwing up. And they were tossed back and forth. Well, one brave man came out of the hold just to see what things looked like up on deck. It was pitch black, but by just a little bit of light from the moon, he saw the waves and he saw the boat tilting back and forth. But then he caught a glimpse of the captain holding the ship's wheel. The captain looked back at the brave guy and he gave him a little smirk. When the man went back down into the hold of the ship and he said to everyone, I've seen the face of the captain and he's smiling. All will be well. You know, I don't know what storm you're facing in your life today. I don't know what struggles you're going through or maybe you just feel overwhelmed. But what I want you to know today is I've seen the face of the captain and he's smiling all will be well. Trust our captain, who's Jesus. Keep your eyes fixed on him and tell other people about him because there are so many people who don't know the good, good news. They're still down in the hold of the ship and they too need to know that their captain is smiling. And you know what? He is the source of true joy. Will you pray with me? Gracious God, we give you thanks for your amazing grace, your amazing love, how you promise to never, ever leave us or forsake us.
how you are at work in every detail of our lives. God, I pray for all those who are going through a season of struggles and pain and suffering today. I pray for everyone who's feeling stress and anxiety and pressure. God, help us to remember that you've got your hand on the wheel, that you've got it taken, control, taken care of, that you are in control and that you have a perfect plan and so that we can take confidence and assurance in you and that that can be a source of joy. God, help your joy flow through us and be reflected to the world. Help us to experience your joy, no matter what we face on a daily basis. And God, help us to share that joy with every person we meet. And so God, we pray these things in the powerful name of your son, Jesus. And let's all say together, Amen.